Welcome to Market Corner Conversations, sponsored by Foresight Health. This is where outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Market Corner Conversations is Foresight Health's regular podcast series. It explores the intricacies of market-driven health reform. We dig deep into the U.S. system's structural inefficiencies. We explain how its artificial economics and distorted business models rob the American people of the great health care they deserve. We identify and talk with innovative companies that are reinventing healthcare delivery by being better, faster, cheaper, and more customer-friendly. I'm David Johnson, the host, and our guest today is Paul Walzak, the CEO of New Vista Healthcare. New Vista is a truly innovative post-acute care company in Southern Florida that is redefining integrated delivery. Paul, welcome to Market Corner Conversations. Dave, thank you for having me, and I uh, look forward to our conversation this evening. Well, it's great to have you here, and it's a real treat for our audience. Let's start uh, by talking about your favorite subject, yourself. How did you get to where you are today? Uh, of course, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a very uh, entrepreneurial-driven uh, family. Uh, we had a healthcare organization that was started by my mother. Uh, she started with one uh, traditional long-term care facility in southern Georgia. And over about a 20-plus uh, year history, we uh, built it uh, up to 93 communities, well over 10,000 units, uh, nine different states. And, you know, it, it, it was a great learning experience. You know, I like to say that uh, uh, I cut my teeth in the Medicaid traditional long-term care business. Um, you know, and it, it's a good, it's a good teacher for everything that I think is historical. Uh, but it also gave us the opportunity to look into the future and see what uh, uh, could be offered as a better solution. And so we, uh, uh, in 2007, we ended up electing to sell our organization. Uh, during that transaction, we retained a, uh, a handful of uh, development opportunities. And that's what gave us the ability to really push forward with New Vista Healthcare. Well, Paul, in, in your case, it's it really is a case of mother knows best, isn't it? Uh, and your mother really is a, a terrific entrepreneur and, and, and role model. Uh, could you just talk broadly uh, about the post-acute care space and what works and maybe more importantly, what, what doesn't work and uh, how New Vista has really attacked – the inefficiencies in the system, and, and developed uh, really superior models for integrating care delivery and probably most importantly, getting people back up on their feet and, and out into the community uh, more quickly uh, and in better shape. Absolutely. You know, I, I'd like to say that uh, our industry is at a crossroads, but it seems like it's been like that for a long time. Uh, you know, it was a, it, it was a quite simple process. You know, we, we saw an opportunity in our business that the inefficiency of health delivery, the inability to really have impact on what a customer would really desire from a post-hospitalization health product made us really look at, as you said, the lack of innovation in our industry the lack of investment. There's so much, the industry is so lethargic. And I, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean it from the perspective that 
the system, the legacy of the system has challenged, um, uh, I think, all the operators as a whole. I mean, you got to think back as far as far back as 50, 60 years ago, this industry was built as a residential model in residential communities. And over time, we're faced now with a, a industry that tries to figure out how to limit care, how to uh, 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 maximize engagement with the customer, not for the benefit of the outcome, but for the benefit of its revenue model. And I think that's where I, from the start of uh, really convincing our family on uh, why we should start New Vista, I said, listen, there's, there's a transformative opportunity in this industry. It will take a great deal of investment because we have to have a technological environment that allows for us to really present a different production cycle. And when I talk about production, I mean really how we produce healthcare at the caregiver side and at the communication and coordination side. That alone will allow for us to really engage stronger care plans and stronger outcome measures to drive our patients, our customers, to a stronger recovery uh, uh, plan that really presents great value. And really those efficiencies that are created in the, in the production cycle are tremendously beneficial to our system as a whole. It reduces cost. It eliminates a tremendous amount of waste. And I've seen uh, over the last three years, Dave, probably uh, a great deal of evidence and data that supports a lot of what we're doing at, at New Vista. Yeah, what a radical thought that, that customers uh, should be the focus of, of, of a business, not, not just pure revenue generation. You know, healthcare is such a funny business. It, it executes transactions to, in some respects without customers. People uh, go to the doctor. Doctor tells you what to do. You do it and somebody else pays for it. And in the process, it disconnects that buyer-seller relationship that really is at the essence of market-based activity and the way that uh, we're all used to getting and demanding value from from the companies with which we interact. So in that uh, sort of context, Paul, why don't you you talk a little bit in a a very uh, almost personal or individual way um, how your model – directly benefits the patients that you work with? Absolutely. Well, you know, we started with where we really wanted to be very disruptive. And I think that's what was necessary, not only from a human capital, but also how we would ignite that consumer component within health delivery, because you're absolutely correct. Free market enterprise, you know, uh, the buy-sell type arrangement is non-existent. In healthcare, and it and it varies across a, a, a broad spectrum of all of these points of service and points of production. I mean, the the lack of care coordination, the lack of care management, the lack of care communication, and today is abysmal across every aspect, every spectrum of a full continuum. So, you know, we wanted that most aggressive, disruptive point. As I was talking to you earlier, you know, we we set out to strategically build. Um, some ground-up, state-of-the-art, skilled nursing, post-hospitalization, post-acute rehab facilities. And we did them very, very strategically to the market 
but yet very strategic to how healthcare was flowing through that respective marketplace. So we wanted to be right at the intersection of either a, an acute care campus facility, uh, academic type campus or facility, or a life science. We wanted to be smack dab in the middle of being, you know, everything flowing through. And so what, what we were able to really accomplish was with the post-acute, we said two things. We said a consumer wants something better and we've got to be able to provide a stronger product. So we looked at how, how the industry has been operating for decades and we said we want to integrate a very almost like subacute. We wanted to bring in a full medical team, mm-hmm. so full on staff physicians, nurse practitioners, because if we're really going to compress the length of stay, the interaction with the customer, I hate saying length of stay, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common metric. But really just we wanted to be able to take patient by patient and define what that patient needs, but accelerate that recovery period to get them to mo- the most effective and most cost-suitable uh, setting possible. And that certainly isn't in an institutional setting if, if, if need be. So we wanted to advance that through a medical model match with the clinical model, and then as I talked about before, driving technology throughout that whole care delivery ecosystem. And that, that really proved to be in this setting that was state-of-the-art, all-new build, at the center of how healthcare is moving, not, not in a residential-type environment, but truly at the center of where healthcare is driven in an overall community. And then take that all private rooms. The private room element is not designed or intended to be uh, uh, hotel-y or, or health spy. What it was meant to be is when a patient is engaged with caregivers, whether medical, clinical, or rehabilitation services being provided, they are one-on-one. They're dealing with a very intense, amount of time that needs to be delivered very efficiently. And so they're doing that very aggressively. They're spending as much time. They're not being interrupted. They're focused. All the technology is there with them. So they're not leaving the room as a traditional model. They're there and then they're getting everything taken care of. That way it's, it's dramatically reducing the excess uh, length of stay, the excess waste of, of labor that's involved in driving a tremendous amount of accuracy and effect, efficacy and, uh, uh, in an industry that, for the most part, uh, most of everything I'm speaking sounds advanced, but it's really just low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it, it, it really is uh, remarkable. I've, I've toured several of the New Vista facilities, and they're intensely used. They have the largest rehab facilities I've ever seen. Uh, they're all types of, of people actively engaged in their uh, recovery. Uh, I think getting rehab as much as two or three times a day, uh, every day of the week. So let me, let me just give a hypothetical uh, uh, example, Paul. Uh, let's say my, my grandmother, Bonnie, uh, also known as the greatest person in the history of the world, uh, just had hip replacement surgery, and she comes to a new Vista facility, and how do you get her back up and around um, as quickly as possible so she can go back to doing the things that she does uh, remarkably well? 
Well, uh, I appreciate uh, Bonnie. Seems like a lot of pressure to get her up and back around being the greatest person in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think we all could say that about our grandparents. But, you know, uh, when she comes in, you know, she's immediately being assessed. And I think one of the primary, probably the fundamental factor of how we really view our culture, this high performance healthcare, is listen, healthcare never sleeps. It's a seven day, 24 7, 365 industry. You know, I like to say there's no locks on the doors, but you can't really say that anymore in today's world, unfortunately. <laughs> but we, we do not stop. So we have constant admission protocols. So when an individual admits, because trust me, they can admit at any time during the day, we have nurses on staff, we have nurse practitioners, and most importantly, we have rehab ready to go day one. These people are in this environment strictly for a clinical and rehabilitative healthcare product. That's a win for market-driven reform. So nothing ever shuts down. We're open seven, you know, it's running seven days a week nonstop. And what they do is these individuals, we are trying to get them, their, their bodies functioning again. So they're in rehab, as you were saying, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a very, very large component of our organization. We have probably at the Wellington facility that yeah, I think you saw up and running and we're visiting close to 42 full-time therapists on staff on a daily basis or for a 120-bed facility. We're producing probably over 100,000 minutes uh, a week sitting inside that uh, one building. And these minutes are being generated by multi-visits to that gym throughout the building with these patients, one-on-one with these therapists and getting them healthy. And the same can be said about our clinical team. Our clinical team, our culinary team, and our medical team are all a a very strong and integrated uh, disciplinary uh, team approach that allows for your grandmother to strengthen herself, get up, be educated, be, be empowered to really say, listen, Bonnie, we love that you trusted us, but we have one rule at New Vista. You cannot stay. You are here to get healthy, and you're getting out of here. So our goal is the, you know, I wouldn't say it's the antithesis. It's the opposite. It's the, you know, it's the polar of this. It's that. It's just our business proposition, our value prop as an organization is we do one thing, and we do it pretty well. We do it, I, I think we do it at a high level of, accuracy. And that's a short-term rehabilitative and clinical post-hospitalization healthcare. If we do anything else, we're actually slowing down our overall model. We're actually performing an in-service. So our goal is primarily to get these individuals up, get them active, drive a team that is driven to get that individual healthy, integrate and communicate and, and educate that consumer and get them out as soon as possible so that they can transition successfully upon that secondary transition. Hopefully it's the home, which predominantly 93, almost 94% of all of our discharges are home. And we're seeing a tremendous amount of success of this massive investment on that early, let's call it that seven to 12 day length of stay interaction with this, this, with Bonnie that allows for her to have this massive trajectory that gets them to a full recovery. And we take interest in, in commitment 
and thinking way past our interaction with the patient. Right. And as we'll talk about it, it goes into uh, uh, even part of our business model. Right, right. Well, you know, the, the statistics don't lie, and evidently over 80% of your uh, your patients are able to do cartwheels upon uh, discharge. <laughs> just, just, just kidding. <laughs> well, that, that, I want to see that one because I'm not sure I could do those anymore. <laughs> Uh, but I, I will say, having toured the facilities, there's there's great energy, not to mention great outfits, um, and the whole uh, vibe inside is is a positive one. So, uh, Paul, a word you and I uh, like quite a bit and is familiar to the uh, Market Corner Conversations audience is the word incumbent uh, to describe stupid things that incumbent uh, healthcare providers uh, engage in. So, in the post-acute world, give us two or three examples of incumbent behaviors, and then we're going to move from that into bigger vision for New Vista. But first, let's, let's, let's uh, identify a couple of incumbent behaviors. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a few that are, that are pretty easy for us. You know, nothing irritates me more than, um, you know, a lot of people could say, a way to being healthy is through, you know, through your diet, through what you eat. You know, you are what you eat. Health is wealth. And, and you know, I, I, nothing frustrates me more. Nothing embarrasses me more. Nothing causes more pain for me than the way that the industry really kind of looks at the traditional approach of this raw food, minimalized, cost-structured to, you know, really – contain or, or just constrict how we treat the, the, our elder population. And I think it's something that just challenges this industry in, in, in truly causes this industry to be so negatively perceived, the perception that, that, guy, that drives this industry. I'd say a great deal of it has to do with the fact of how we feed these our, our, our patients. And, you know, when I talk about the subject, you know, to me, uh, I want to use the word customer and I can't use customer language when I talk about the industry as a whole, because of these certain things that we're going to point out, these incumbent type, these things that just stayed around and people don't want to get out from out behind it. And I think the way that we actually feed uh, a majority of these patients that come through this industry you know, there's organizations that I've talked to a number of bankers. Well, you know, this company runs a raw food PPD per patient day of three fifty a day. And I'm like, you're going to eat three meals in one day for less than $4 a day? Good luck. And I think that's a complete disgrace. So that, that really perturbs me. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about seven days a week and running a building seven days a week. I think if you go into the majority of the industry, Saturday and Sunday, it lo- it's like on cruise control. There's no rehab. Clinical has been watered down. It has a lot to do with the custodial nature of the industry. But that's, but that's by choice. That is not by design. That is by choice. So this industry has the ability to become much more than it is today. But indemnity prevents now, there will be survival of the fittest. There will be massive consolidation in this industry. But that is a choice that these operators make. So the fact that they continue to just stay status quo, 
have no rehab services provided over the weekend, have no admission processes that are handled by appropriate personnel over the weekend, to have uh, uh, basically all admin, all, all services basically dark over the weekend, that proves probably stronger than anything that I could talk about the indemnity of this industry. And then lastly, you know, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said than how we look at technology. And granted, healthcare as a whole has no technological solution whatsoever that spans what the patient is experiencing. So when a patient moves from, let's call it, and from an episode of healthcare from ER all the way home, there's nothing consistent in, in our industry today whatsoever from technology. But there are certainly a lot of segment opportunities. In our industry, long-term care industry, has tra- traditionally today and consistently always been very lethargic in doing anything to invest in how we communicate, uh, how we coordinate a patient's knowledge, awareness, and um, uh, record of their interaction and their needs post our uh, post this segment services. So for me, that's, uh, uh, those are probably three good examples that I think uh, represent this industry's indemnity. Yeah, well, that, that's great. And quite honestly, you got my blood boiling uh, when I think about post-acute as it's delivered in most of the country to most people. Bad enough that it, it costs as much as it does and there's so much variation in pricing. But that variation takes its toll in human costs, uh, people that don't recover, people that die more quickly, uh, people that aren't able to realize their, their full potential. Uh, it's, it's really a crime against um, – uh, the American people, both in terms of what it costs, but maybe more importantly, in terms of what it doesn't do to bring people back to their best selves. And and maybe that's a great way to transition to the new Vista vision for the future. And one of the things that I find just remarkable about New Vista was your decision after the passage of the Affordable Care Act to think about becoming the convener in Palm Beach County for all types of value-based payment, uh, bundles, um, capitated models, uh, various types of uh, shared services, um, various types of outcomes-based measurement. Could you just talk a little bit about what was the opportunity to become a convener? Um, What drove uh, the company to take on that challenge? What you experienced as you were uh, sort of building it up, and, and now obviously you've had some real success. And what have been some of the results of that? I mean, it's just a remarkable story. Certainly, certainly. Uh, I'll just say I can never talk about anything just a little bit, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was pretty easy. I mean, you know, as I talked about earlier, we were going to make this massive investment, right, into an industry that, uh, quite frankly, the revenue model was very dated. And the production and uh, product delivery model was non-existent. I mean, it was just completely uh, pathetic. So, you know, we went and built these facilities, and the one you saw in Wellington, I mean, that's a, uh, you know, if we put it in layman's terms, that's a $55 million uh, nursing home. So none of those exist, by and large, 
anywhere throughout the country. So I, I, I guess the first kind of bold innovation was I want to be disruptive. So we got to create a product that ultimately at this point in time, and this was 2011, you know, ultimately at this point in time, isn't properly compensated for. So the culture, the message to our team was, hey guys, we're gonna produce a product that at some point in the near future, we will be properly compensated for the value of the goods and services that we are producing here. But until then, don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about what, it, what, we, what our, our P&Ls look like because our number one objective is to shock the system. And so let's produce something that's never been done before. And just let's get people in, let's get them healthy, and let's get them out. Do it at all costs and do it at all, all risk of, of, you know, what we're investing here, but let's keep going here. And, you know, the basic premise of really engaging into a value-based world, an outcome-driven world, was all day long we were going to produce the results necessary. I mean, it was, it's easy in this industry at, at, at this point. And, and, but... We didn't have a revenue model. And then as soon as the uh, Affordable Care Act started to take shape, we also had some conversations direct with Medicare at the time. We said, listen, we want to take risk on the health care we're providing. We are far superior to anybody in the country in producing a very efficient but very qualitative-driven health care product for the post-acute environment. And we don't only want to take risk on what happens inside our facility because we got that, but we want to take risk on the recovery as a whole. And this was before bundles started to take shape. This is before episodic healthcare became known as episodic healthcare. This is a way before all the vernacular started to develop that we know to today in value-based healthcare. So we started really to think this through. We had a couple more conversations with policy and then all of a sudden, bam, here comes these alternative payment models of the ACO in the Bundle Payment Care Improvement uh, uh, Program. So we were one of the pioneer applicants for uh, uh, the VPCI program. Um, we went live in 2013. Uh, we applied in 11 before we even CO'd our first building, the Wellington Building. So, you know, it demonstrated our commitment to you know, not only we were willing to go 100% value, but we were willing to go 100% risk. And we knew we could go to those two areas. We felt comfortable with that because we knew what we were producing as far as a healthcare product, a qualitative product. What we weren't sure of at the point is, what does the revenue model look like? And keep everything, you know, right in front of us. Understand at that point, we're being compensated as, the same model of, uh, of reimbursement as every other skilled nursing facility, despite the product that we were producing. So there wasn't any tiered model for the success or, or the shortness, the efficiency, and the efficacy. So we just kept pushing on. We got into a bundle. We were, our model, our application was accepted. We start, went live in 2013. We originally uh, uh, went after 10 DRGs, anchor uh, DRG episodic models, uh, for post-acute 90-day risk. Those 10 were 3 uh, AMI, acute, uh, 3 CHF, and then uh, congestive heart failure, and then four musculoskeletal major joint-type uh, DRG-related major joint replacement. Our first year of 
full risk was 2014. We had partial risk in 13. We did well in 13, but I think, you know, we learned a lot year one, you know, just really understanding how a, a, a episodic risk model works on a very short-term basis, not a pop health plan, not a privatized Medicare plan, but truly episodic recovery risk. And so in 14, we had uh, close to 450 episodes of which, you know, predominantly at that time, um, we had about uh, 300 plus of those were sitting inside of a musculoskeletal procedure. Uh, we excelled greatly. Uh, we uh, achieved single-digit rehospitalization rates in 90-day period. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was just incredible. And, and I always said from the start, and, I, and, and really this was a team effort. You know, this, I think I could talk well, articulate a message, but really this team bought into this, this fantasy at the time, you know, lock, stock, and barrel. And they, they really just, we built some incredible stuff. And we'll talk about technology a little bit later. But, you know, we said all along, there's 40 points of waste. For every dollar that moves through post-acute, we know there's 30 to 40 cents of every dollar that's complete waste. We know it. We see it. And we proved it out. Uh, you know, that first year we were all in, all DRGs, uh, all risk. We were right at 28% margins above fee-for-service. And then in uh, uh, musculoskeletal, we were almost 37% profit margins above fee-for-service and payment for everything. So pure profit. Oh, man, Paul. That's oh, awesome incredible. because, you know, the, the value-based payment overall has been uh, – the returns to the government have been anemic, 1%, 1.2%. I mean just just anemic and, that, and that's before you put in all the administrative costs. What I love about um, uh, your story and, and more broadly the, the, the power of bottom-up market-driven reform is, you know – no one would have predicted that a post-acute care company would be uh, one of the top, if not the top, performer in value-based care in the country. Uh, uh, you know, New Vista saw an opportunity, went for it, took great risk, learned from your mistakes, moving forward. I mean, it's just a, a, a great story. And our contention, Foresight Health contention, is the government's never going to be as good as the market as good as the marketplace in, in figuring out how to allocate resources so so with with that why don't you talk a little bit about the future uh, the vision for the company where you see it going and uh, how, and the types of tangible benefits that will accrue to your patients and your communities as you get better and bigger at everything you do yeah absolutely the you know you're right. Uh, I think if the government just gives the private marketplace the opportunity and structures models to allow to walk, you know, contemporaneously with innovators, I think we can fix this thing. I really do. But you got to give the opportunity and the incentive to these investors. You know, that's what we are. We're investors in change and innovators. So, you know, I think one of the big things that, as we were alluding to in the prior question, and this one is, is, you know, we saw the need as we got into this program. We also saw a lot of things starting to take shape in the overall value model of, of healthcare. We saw more fragmentation coming back into the market through competitive other programs. And naturally so. I mean, we're a very competitive organization. We're entrepreneurial driven. 
So we pivoted. What we did is we effectively took a lot of our post-acute knowledge. If you think of about the value-based delivery models today, all the risk, the actual clock, the 90-day period, the risk associated with the healthcare recovery all happens discharge point, post-discharge hospital. So it's really all post-acute. So what we said to the marketplace was, hey, a hospital, hey, physician group, hey, ACO, let us partner with you. Let us convene for you. Let us analyze for you. Let us drive information and communicate with you because here's what we've done. Here's how we do it. And this is how we would apply it in the specific marketplace. It's been very successful for us. I think the returns nationally have been anemic. I think you have these little patches or these little pockets of, of organizations that are starting to, you know, align it, narrow, narrow their, their delivery markets, eliminating some of the fragmentation, talking instead of locking and causing gridlock in the system. But from our perspective, we really just saw the ability to take a market apart and realign it through a very efficient in preferred delivery system. And we did that with all of our knowledge from the post-acute in educating our hospital partners and our consumer. I think the consumer is going to be the greatest beneficiary of all of this yep. from the perspective of this. And it's simple. Can really, you, yeah, could you just talk a little bit about the information technology platform that allows you to make smart decisions and keep doctors informed and uh, get patients where they need to be, when they need to be there, and in the process, uh, not only provide better care, but provide more efficient, timely care, which has the double benefit of getting people, you know, recovered faster and saving the system enormous waste. Just what's the technology that allows you to do that? Absolutely. Um, So we were... 2014, and we're starting to see these risk plots all over all over these pieces of paper that we had posted in our because there was no technology, nothing. There was no EMR. There was, I mean, we searched far and wide, and we didn't certainly want to create it. We had all these different risk plots, and basically, we had a room that started to look like a very um, confusing maze of where people really. Uh, uh, were in their recovery patterns, and, and it became a, it was becoming a massive challenge. And the, the first analogy that came to place is this is like air traffic control. We have planes all over the place, and we got to safely land them. We've got to safely get them from point A to point B, with all of the other things swarming around. And we really started to focus in on patient traffic control, and we did that by creating a technology we call. PMI, patient management intelligence. And what it does is three things. It gives us care coordination, care management, and care communication. So as a patient is admitted into a hospital, what we have done is taken a a digitalized ecosystem and created an agnostic backbone to a marketplace agnostic being the key fundamental uh, element of making it very successful because no pattern remains either locked within one system or remains consistent. 
So we went around our, our first community, our proof of concept in Palm Beach County, which happens to be a highly fragmented marketplace. And we went around and we basically interfaced our technology that we created with every EMR that exists within all of the acute care hospitals. And at the acute, it was the clinical EMR and the registration software with skilled nursing facilities, all of the home health that we consider to be relevant and all of the physician group practices from patient pre-population to EMR uh, clinical e- interface. And it instantaneously gave us, and I, I say that <laughs> uh, lightly, it, over a two-year period of, of basically in, challenging indemnancy, uh, <laughs> we yeah. instantly gave us the ability to see, to have visibility on our patients. And most importantly, manage real-time the logistics of a recovery care plan in any deviation that may come into play, i.e. a rehospitalization event, that does nothing more than communicate to the physician community that their patient, that they're at risk for, at risk for the recovery. Forget the economics because you can't get to the economics without a healthy recovery. That's how the government built it, and I applaud them on that. But if they can communicate, if we had a tool that gave them visibility and logistics communication of their patient's recovery, because they don't have it now, they may be privileged at one hospital, but they don't know what's happening at that patient that lives 40 miles away at another hospital. If they can have that, they can manage their patients and get them healthy and keep them out of these institutional settings without a doubt. And that will change the nation as a whole. And the greatest beneficiary of this is the patient and its most trusted partner in any health scenario, their physician. Oh, that's that's just uh, that's just music to my ears, Paul. One one last question, and and then we'll wrap up. So, where do you see New Vista in ten years? What what kind of company do you think it'll be then? It's already a great company, but what's it going to look like in ten years? I like the three to five year uh, picture, but in ten years, I'd like to say that it's probably one of the most advanced strategic health system partners in the nation. And what I mean by strategic is our, our system is massive, our country is huge, and we've got a lot of years ahead of really just connecting a lot. There's a lot of functional obsolescence in our nation as a whole as it comes to yep. through our health system. That You're smart enough to know that's going to take a lot of pain, and it's going to take a lot of money to fix and, and, and create the next 30, 40 years of health delivery and health production. But from my perspective, I think there's a lot of strategic markets that I think we can go in and I think we can create massive impact, massive disruption, almost with a great amount of ease today. Um, And so I see great names out there in the space, whether it's a whether it's an Advantage Health, whether it's a partners up in the northeast, whether it's a single one off, but strong, independent, like maybe a Tampa General Hospital, you know, just. I'm just throwing out some names of the institutions that just represent great interaction with community and the residents that live in those communities, and they entrust in these brands and these systems. But what happens outside of the four walls of those, those institutions is nothing short of very dissatisfactory and uncoordinated and very poor delivery, no matter what brand sits in front of that. 
So I, I just think within 10 years' time, I think we can have a very strategic partnership model with a lot of great institutions that will create a very reliable cost and outcome model for all post-hospitalization health delivery and get people home sooner. And for our government and for us as taxpayers, I think we can save a lot of money. Right, right. Well, that's that. Uh, that's a very high note to uh, to conclude on. Uh, uh, you know, Paul, I, I like to say that the U.S. achieves one of the highest standards of living in the world despite the fact that we have a highly expensive, highly inefficient, often ineffective healthcare delivery system. And imagine the good we'll do for the country if we can figure out ways to provide better healthcare at lower costs. And when I look at a company like New Vista, I get very encouraged uh, about our ability as a country not only to be as good in healthcare delivery as other advanced economies, but to actually leapfrog them. And the way to do that will be the way that that Paul described today at New Vista, working at the market level with the right partners in a very deliberate, outcomes-driven way that really does deliver better outcomes at, at lower cost with better customer experience. Uh, our guest today has been Paul Walzak, the uh, CEO of New Vista Healthcare, and we've had a terrific conversation about revolutionizing post-acute care in this country. Uh, Paul wakes up every morning trying to figure out how to make uh, healthcare better, and in that sense, he's one of the Foresight Health Rebels with a Cause. So, Paul, thank you very much. It's been a, a terrific session, and we wish you absolutely the best as you go forward. Dave, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the kind words, and uh, uh, it's a big battle, but I'm, I'm up for the fight. Terrific. If you're frustrated with healthcare, if you want to understand how the system is reinventing itself through relentless bottom-up market-driven reform, please subscribe to our podcast at foresighthealth.com. Be a rebel with a cause. Help us fix American healthcare. Until next time, this is Dave Johnson.